And let's get this party started. It's time for the Jack Riccardi Show. Hey, Christian, listen to this. A guy is uh, sleeping in a hotel room in Boston. Very nice hotel, the Revere Hotel. It's about 11 o'clock at night. He is, uh, and he's a Delta Airlines pilot, so he's sleeping. Uh, there is banging on the door and yelling. And they break into the room, identify themselves as the FBI, handcuff the pilot, throw him into the shower, and interrogate the man for over an hour, uh, asking him questions he has no inkling of or understanding of at all. And it turns out that they were in the wrong room that they were doing a training exercise and they were supposed to break into a room where another FBI agent was going to pose as the interrogee. Uh Uh-huh. If I can say it that way. Yeah. So they went to the wrong room and detained the wrong guy. And, of course, you can imagine... You know, at some point, you'd probably start confessing to things you didn't even do. Or just, like, racking your brain, like, what can I confess to? What have I done that, you know, oh, yeah. rewind yeah. when I brought back to Blockbuster? I mean, something. <laughs> you know, what can I... Um, oh. The funny part to me is that somewhere else in that hotel is the guy going, where are they? You know, back to Blockbuster, I worked there for almost four years. That's not a joking matter, those mm, tapes not no. rewound. That was no. serious stuff. They will yeah, send this, the FBI out. Yeah. You know, pilots make good money, yeah. but this guy's going to make a lot more, I do believe. I don't think I'd want to be on his flight the next day, either. So, <laughs> no. <anyway. laughs> Maybe All not. right. Well, I hope you got. I hope you got enough rain. I hope everybody got a lot of rain. We needed it, and we got a lot of it. And um, we've got a lot to get into here on the show. Uh, and I'm going to start with this, and and I'll confess to you up front: this is just coming down, so I don't exactly know if we know yet what this uh, means. But two things have just happened in the last few minutes regarding um, uh, transgender uh, participation in sports and and so forth. So, the Supreme Court has issued an emergency ruling in a West Virginia case. West Virginia is one of the states that passed a law banning transgender girls from participating in girls' sports teams. And by a 7-2 to vote, uh, the Supreme Court said that they were going to stay out of it because the appeals court has not yet ruled on the um, law. And there are 18 other states that have these laws. It was being challenged by uh, the family of a 12-year-old transgender girl. Um, and uh, she's on the track and field teams and uh, wants to be allowed to continue to do that. Uh, so the, the Supreme Court isn't ruling on the law. They are not um, interrupting the process by which the law is challenged. So that's one thing that's happening, um, you know, like right now as, as we... Uh, as we speak, the other thing that we're just getting word of uh, is it looks like the Biden administration is issuing emergency orders like executive orders on Title IX. And that is also apparently to force the uh, access of transgender uh, students to the sports teams and locker rooms of their choosing. So both of these things 
at the moment favoring the idea that if you declare yourself a girl, even though you're a biological boy, um, you should be able to compete with the girls, uh, change and shower with the girls, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And you know, I got to be honest. I mean, you know where I stand on this, but I, I got to be honest and say this, and I've never said this before. But I feel like the trans movement has peaked. I, I think we are at peak uh, insanity at this point. I think we are at peak. Um, th- this is a, they have overplayed their hand. They have taken this idea, which originally was hate. Don't hate people that you don't understand or disagree with. Tolerate people who are different than you. The, the, the entire LGBT radical political movement has basically, in my opinion, at this point, crapped out. In other words, they've, they've overplayed their hands. They should have left the table. They should have cashed in their chips. Uh, I don't know when exactly the high water mark was. Maybe it was the legalization of gay marriage. But I mean, they achieved over the, over recent years, they've achieved a lot of things that they said were just reasonable, we just want to be treated like everybody else kinds of things. But now, in my view, and I don't know how you feel, and we're going to open up the phone lines, in my view now, this movement has has gone into the realm of, of the crazy, and it is not asking for tolerance. It is asking for the denial of reality, for the denial of biology, in fact, for the denial of science. And I'm, I'm, I, for one, am not going to go along with the idea that when states pass um, a law that says children can change their gender without parental input or participation, or that minors can receive genital mutilation surgery, that is gender-affirming care. That is a perversion of the language, okay? Gender-affirming would mean... Uh, you are a boy, we're affirming that you're a boy. So when you're changing it, it's not gender affirming, but that's what they're calling it. And it's not a war on transgender people when they can't get some of these things, okay? It is not a war on, we are not attempting to erase them from society. No one is saying that they they can't go to school. No one is saying they can't vote. No one is saying they can't uh, enjoy the full freedoms of American citizenship, but they cannot have special dispensation to do things that are completely unreal and have no basis in reality. There's a story today of a family in Maine who is suing their school district. Amber Levine is the mom. She's suing the school district up there uh, for secretly providing gender transition counseling to her 13-year-old daughter. The case says that a social worker at the school, the school district, gave the little girl a chest-flattening device called a chest binder and told her to keep it a secret from her parents, but the mom found it in her room. So the, the school gave it surreptitiously, they're alleging, and told the kid to keep it secret. And anytime adults are telling our children to keep a secret from us, that's the biggest red flag there is. There isn't any bigger one. I find it ironic, by the way, that people that don't have children want to raise ours. 
You know, if you've got such strong ideas about raising children, have some. But you don't have the right to raise other people's by your standards. When school officials were confronted by Amber Levine, they defended the counselor's actions, saying that the state law allows us to do this. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. I don't agree with the law, but I also don't agree with the morality of keeping secrets from the parents. By the way, Amber Levine is a liberal Democrat. She's in the mental health field. She's not some whacked-out, far-right, off-the-grid, MAGA kook. Uh, she's someone that embraces public education, trusted it with her 13-year-old daughter, and her trust was betrayed, in my opinion. There's a story today that Nike is now uh, hiring Dylan Mulvaney to model women's sports bras, and you should be glad this is a radio show and not a television show because you would not want to see a picture, I'm looking at it right now, of Dylan Mulvaney in a sports bra. Dylan Mulvaney in a sports bra looks like I pulled a sports bra up over my leg. A sports bra is supposed to provide support for a woman's breasts. In order to do that, there have to be breasts. But yeah, Nike has a deal. This comes on the heel of the Bud Light uh, partnership. Uh, Nike is uh, advertising their sportswear for women using Dylan Mulvaney. Because apparently they couldn't find any actual women athletes. There just aren't any. Uh, there wasn't an LSU basketball team that just won a record-setting national championship. There are no women Olympians. There are There is no WNBA. There's no uh, women's golf or tennis uh, professionals. They needed a woman to wear a sports bra, and they, all they could find was Dylan Mulvaney. And this is a mockery of women. I mean, I, I keep saying this, and I'm a guy, and maybe I should just shut up about it. Because women apparently are shutting up about it. Women are sitting there taking it. Women are sitting there, they're, apparently they're okay with this. I mean, once in a while, once in a while somebody will speak up. But man, I would have thought, having grown up in the age of feminism, I would have thought that women would be in the streets with torches and pitchforks. In your wildest dreams of male chauvinism, in your wildest imagination of, of men being men, I don't think you could have concocted a, a, a scenario that was more anti-woman than the silent acceptance and surrender to Dylan Mulvaney and, and people like her. I, I'm not even blaming her. Dylan Mulvaney has some issues. We'll talk about that. But it's just, it is, it is mind blowing to me. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't get over it that women are okay with this. They're letting it happen, probably participating in it. Don't you think if there's a, a marketing meeting at Nike, that wasn't all men in the room. If there's an ad agency that concocted this campaign, that wasn't all men. What is this? 1959? I'm sure there were women at the table. I'm sure there were women on the Zoom. Open your mouth, because you're being erased in the way that you claimed we men were going to, or were erasing you. So it's not it's not my you know other than the fact that I'm the father of a daughter and I care about it in that regard and I care about society. It's really not my battle, but I'm I'm kind of amazed that you're 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 taking this sitting down. So Nike will pay Dylan Mulvaney to model a sports bra that doesn't even fit her. Him.
at G, G, whatever it is. All right, here's a tweet. Uh, Dear trans women, we are not a part you can just play or a costume you can put on. We don't flutter our eyelashes, dance around on our tiptoes, giggle like morons, or talk like we've been inhaling helium all day. Your lazy caricature is an insult to women everywhere. Sincerely, women. This is a guy, um, I don't know where, I guess he's running for Congress somewhere um, on Twitter. He says, uh, hey, Nike, my wife is a physician and dietitian. We have four kids. She's a track coach, uh, runs a busy household while uh, maintaining uh, great uh, exercise and eating habits. How about giving her an endorsement deal instead of a skinny dude in lipstick? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, there's obviously a lot of stuff happening with the law, and we have a lot of very big uh, court decisions and, and votes coming up on, uh, you know, transgender sports but it's it really the the bigger question is um at what point did we go from hey i just want to live the way i live and and uh you know mind my own business be left to my own devices i want my full suite of rights as an american which we we can all support uh when did that turn into you have to participate in this uh thing that i am doing you have to be a participant in uh, this, what, what many of us feel is confusion um, and or, or worse. And when did it go from, uh, when did gender affirming become not affirming the science, but affirming the delusion? That that's and of course the the big question is are are women sort of in in shock? Uh, is the reaction coming, uh, or is there not going to to be one? Um, in which case, I, I guess I kind of wonder what the feminist movement, what the point of that was. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Sarah is on KTSA. Hi, Sarah. Hi. Good afternoon. I would sort of say uh, I am loving the rain. I'm hoping you'll be a little patient with me that I may not say this quite very eloquently or well, but I think to pull back from all of this, not just the topic of the transgender and all these laws and and how the acceleration is just exponentially just picking up pace and um, to sort of pull back and everyone likes to refer back to, oh, Nazi and, and this time frame. Before that, the, the 1920s, many years before that, eons, thousands of years before that, there's been times when you think these people are doing this, and I mean these people, the war machine, the transgender movement, just in general, when you pull back and kind of telescope in, that there, there's a, it was a willful decision not to see but I think there's there's truly a like a like a veil or a that they can't see they it, it, it they just cannot conceive they cannot see and there are those that can see that it's like what are you saying this makes zero sense this makes no sense whatsoever. who is it that you're saying can't see who do you, who do you mean can't see <sighs> those that fight. So hard 
it's one thing to say abortion should be, you know, rare and, 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 you know, with a solemn heart and, and, and those that say, no, it doesn't matter before, after, during, doesn't really matter. And now we can change the gender of your children that we can go to war and spend every dollar that we have in Ukraine, that we can, um, lose sight of the gender issue that we can lose sight of that our dollar is tanking because China and Russia are going to, and India and all these countries are going to start using other. Well, let me, let me, let's stay with, let's stay with the, for for the moment, let's just stay with the trans part of it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not asking for it to all be undone in one day. I'm asking how, how are women of achievement and accomplishment silent in the face of their own, the, the greatest insult that has ever been delivered to them? Fear. Exactly what they're doing with Trump, exactly what's happening everywhere. Everything, those that don't speak and can't speak are doing so out of fear. Why can't women they're, they're speak? Terrible. Women are more than half the population. Women are now in the boardrooms. They're on the media. They're in politics. They're highly represented in, in legislative half, bodies. Half what, are, why? have that veil. I would say half have that blindness, that that momentum that grabbed a hold of them. Um, look at Congress. Look, look at the the um, wine gardener. Look, there, there's there's a large portion of population that I almost can't blame them and and need to forgive them because I don't think they can see. I I don't think that you could, could show them any way. I guess I don't, I'm I'm trying to understand what you're saying, Sarah. I mean, they can't see that Dylan Mulvaney is a skinny dude in a sports bra being paid to promote the wearing of sports bras for women. They can't see that. So, entertain me for just just a moment during other periods in history many atrocious things even now even currently it it was just on recently that it wasn't what a a decade or so ago that the houthi and the tutis were were murdering one another a million people died in a month and and because of a dispute that that they found a way to get through because there's just there, there was a willful blindness, and then there was a fear of okay. being canceled, and then they kind of hung around with that crowd enough that I, I think people are either willfully willfully blind, mm. or that well, I'll tell you what, Sarah, and I'm, I don't want to. I'm not trying to cut you short, but I'm running out of time. I'll just yeah. say this: no, if you're I, right, I and you may, and you may be right, yeah, but if you're right, you, you could fight till you till you bleed, and and I don't think that there's anything that's going to change. Okay. Well, that's depressing. <laughs> that and, and is a very depressing take. Uh, afraid. Um, but that, all I'll say, and I gotta, I gotta, I gotta hold you there, but all I'll yes. say is this. I, I, then I don't understand what I saw with my own young eyes growing up, which was the full-throated, very muscular, very assertive, feminist movement of the 1960s, 70s, and 80s, where they were going to amend the Constitution, where they did, in fact, get Title IX, where they did, in fact, uh, demand and get the access they deserved, everything from education to the judicial uh, bench to Congress to legislatures to boardrooms. Uh, women have fought and won many battles. And you're now you're telling me that they could fight all of that. They could fight thousands of years of history, but they can't fight Dylan Mulvaney. I, I, I love you, Sarah, but I, I don't, I don't understand that. Someone's going to have to help me, uh, understand that, that scenario because I just don't get it. 
Um, that, that construct of women is not what I have seen of women in my own life. Even I, I, I've known far more strength from women than, than what you're describing. You can jump in and join the show at 210-599-5555. Uh, since we last spoke to Mike Davis, the founder and president of the Article 3 Project, we got the arraignment of Donald Trump in Manhattan. He rejoins us uh, on the KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker line. Uh, and Mike Davis, um, you know, you've got basically uh, slicing and dicing uh, one accusation into 34 counts. Uh, without the revelation of what the actual crime is, without the revelation of who was defrauded or who was the victim. Um, do, do you have the sense that we are going to get more meat on these bones, or, or do you think they this is it? Well, I mean, they, this is what's so bad about this indictment is it's actually worse than what was reported in the grand jury leaks, the illegal grand jury leaks from Alvin Bragg's office. And so it's it's just really embarrassing for Alvin Bragg that he is uh, indicting a former president for the first time in history, a, a an, an announced presidential candidate. This is clear election interference and it is if you're going to if you're going to if you're going to do something this extreme to indict a, a former president for the first time ever, you would think that you would have your I's dotted, your T's crossed, and you would have a very solid case. And this case is a joke. It's it's a bad joke. And it's stunning to me that Alvin Bragg would do this, uh, that, that, you know, he went to Harvard, he went to Harvard Law School, the guy you would think would be smart. You listen to his press conference, and he's clearly not. He, he's... Uh, he, could, he didn't have answers, and he actually brags, no pun intended, at his press conference that did, he, he didn't have to include the legal allegations in the indictment. And I'm thinking that is just insane that we have a, the due process clause in the 14th Amendment of the Constitution where defendants need to be on notice. They have to have fair notice of what the, what the allegations are against them so they can defend themselves. So even... If somehow that's New York law that you don't have to include the legal allegations in an indictment, I don't know how that doesn't violate the U.S. Constitution. But separate from that, it just shows Alvin, Alvin Brad's very bad judgment that even if he didn't have to, why would he not? Just because mm-hmm. this is such an unprecedented case, why wouldn't you want to put the best case you possibly have? And maybe your, your point is right, is they don't have anything. How do you get around the fact that the Federal Election Commission itself, the uh, you know the the people that you would think would be most on the on the hunt for violations, have looked at these facts and have not found a campaign violation or reporting violation of any kind to quote an FEC commissioner? Yeah, it's even worse than that. It was a Manhattan DA, the Manhattan DA's office at. Alvin Bragg's urging when he was in the New York Attorney General's office rejected or uh, pushed to decline charges. The U.S. Attorney in Manhattan declined charges. The Federal Election Commission, as you said, declined charges. Uh, Brad Smith, the former commissioner, as you said, wrote a Wall Street Journal opinion piece saying how absurd this legal theory is. Bragg even uh, uh, declined to press uh, to put to, to move forward with this absurd legal theory. He declined charges, and he says somehow he got more facts. That's unclear. Really, the only fact that changed that I can see is back in December, 
uh, after Alvin Bragg was taking tremendous heat from the left after a couple of his prosecutors unethically resigned and went out and wrote books and did a media tour uh, demanding charges against Trump, you saw Alvin Bragg hire a top Biden Justice Department official, Matthew Colangelo. And Matthew Colangelo was in the number three office at the Justice Department, the Associate Attorney General's office. Colangelo came in on the parachute team for the Biden administration. At the beginning of the Biden administration, he was the acting Associate Attorney General, the acting number three. And then when Vanita Gupta, a hardcore radical leftist, uh, became the Associate Attorney General, I worked, I, I opposed to Vanita on confirmations when I worked on the Senate Judiciary Committee for then-Chairman Chuck Grassley confirming judges. Vanita was a radical then, she's a radical now, because Matthew Colangelo was her number two. And he, he was a, a an attorney for seven years for the NAACP before he joined the Obama administration. He worked in the Eric Holder Justice Department for then civil rights head Tom Perez. Tom Perez went to be the labor secretary. Colangelo followed him to the Department of Labor, where Colangelo served as Perez's chief of staff or top aide. Uh, Perez went to the Democratic National Committee as the chairman, and Colangelo went to the Obama White House as a top economic advisor. Polit all these political appointments. Mm -hmm, and then mm -hmm. Colangelo went to the New York AG's office as a political appointee. They created a position there. The Democrat AG did, and his job was essentially to get Trump. He ran dozens and dozens of lawsuits and investigations mm -hmm. against Trump, the Trump administration, Trump businesses, Trump finances. It was all about getting Trump. And then he went to work for the Biden Justice Department, and he, you know, he was part of the team giving amnesty to abortion radicals, paid activists. So you're saying he is the one that has influenced Bragg to go against his own prior judgment on this? It seems like it. It seems like it because that's, that's the only fact that I can see that has changed from these, you know, that at, at best we're looking at, let's look at this case at best in the most, in the light most favorable to the, to the prosecution that back in 2005 or 2006, Trump had some sort of an affair with stripper porn star Stormy Daniels. In 2016, Trump paid her $130,000 to make her go away. They paid it through his attorney. They put it in the books the wrong way. At best, this would be a, you know, I mean, this is a routine settlement of a nuisance claim that happens mm -hmm. all the time. But if you want to mm -hmm. turn this into a crime at best, this is a misdemeanor under New York law for putting right. uh, putting this in the wrong books. And Alvin Bragg is going to transform this into a felony somehow by saying that this bookkeeping misdemeanor was in furtherance of another crime or vice versa. Yeah. But he won't yeah. say what that other crime is. And that is insane. And this is, this is part of a pattern by Democrats for the last six years, seven years. It's lawfare by Democrats to get Trump. I get that Trump is not the most warm and fuzzy guy. He's not going to be canonized as a saint, but these are bogus charges against him, yep. and it's part of a pattern of bogus charges. Mike Davis at the Article 3 Project. Mike, thank you very much. Always good to have you. Appreciate your coming on with us uh, today. Um, so our question on the uh, JR poll today, do you believe the Republicans when they say, and, and Jim Comer, for example, who's the, uh, the chairman of the House Oversight Committee, he actually has said... We're talking to Republican district attorneys. 
I think he said there's two or three he knows of that he's been in touch with. These are, these are not hypotheticals. These are actual people in actual jurisdictions who think they could bring, uh, criminal, uh, investigations of Joe Biden's, uh, you know, deals with China and influence, uh, peddling. And, and so do you, here's my, we'll get into the details, but here's my question. Do you believe the Republicans when they say there will be brag style prosecution of Biden? Because people say that all the time. I wish the Republicans would do this, or the Democrats better watch out because the Republicans are going to do this to their guy. But but do you believe that they will? Do you believe that they will? And Comer says it's starting to happen. So according to Jim Comer, the chairman of the House Oversight Committee, Republican from Kentucky, he has spoken with at least two uh, Republican local prosecutors. He says one in Tennessee, one in Kentucky who are looking at ways to charge Joe Biden and or family members with uh, bribery and money laundering involving the millions from the Chinese Communist Party uh, regime. He says they want to know if there are ways they can go after the Bidens in the same way that Bragg went after Trump. And um, you hear people say all the time, right, be careful what you do because if you set a precedent, it can come back against you. Um, I've said many times on, on the show, I understand that empirically. I understand that once you do something, you, you could, you could have it done to you. But I think Democrats usually calculate that Republicans won't do these things when given the opportunity. And, uh, I guess my question to you is, do you think they will now? Do you want them to? Do you think they should? Do you think that's a bad idea for some reason? 210. 599-5555. Greg is on KTSA. Hi, Greg. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good. Well, uh, I don't know if well, they should uh, have this Okay, we got a bad signal. I'm sorry, Greg. Call me back because we're, we're losing like, uh, we're only getting like one out of every three words you're saying. Try me again, okay? It's probably the weather, but Call me back, 210-599-5555. So Comer says that there are at least a couple he knows of that are looking into it and um, that they are, are basically, they, they need probable cause. They need to connect it to uh, a local law that was uh, violated. So they have to be able to say that whether it was Joe Biden or James Biden or Hunter Biden, that something was done involving state or local law. And, um, of course, you know, if if we're going to say Bragg has no business doing this, are we saying no local prosecutor has any business doing this? Or are we saying, hey, Bragg could be doing this if he had a, crime and was naming the crime but he hasn't and so this seems political now if you're going to talk about biden it would be the same requirement right it would be well what is the crime and what is the evidence uh is it in your state's jurisdiction are you trying to bootstrap a federal crime into a state violation, which is what Bragg is doing? 
Um, there are federal investigations into the Bidens right now. There's the Hunter Biden investigation that's been going on for a while. And I don't know if that'll ever come to, you know, to fruition. Uh, the House Oversight Committee, which Comer chairs, uh, is investigating. Um, and they just recently had, uh, kind of a, a, a big step forward. They got from the Treasury Department, they were, they were able to force the disclosure of what are called suspicious activity reports regarding the Biden family and monies. Uh, and then there's also the investigation into the classified documents that Biden had in his garage and his office, his civilian offices and, and other, uh, and other places. And then there's the special counsel investigation also into the Biden, uh, classified and confidential documents. So th- there's a lot of potential wrongdoing out there. I don't know that there's wrongdoing, but there's a lot of potential wrongdoing out there. Um, but I think Democrats just generally, you tell me if you disagree. I think their calculation is that this tactic is not one that Republicans will pursue or, or play. Uh, do you agree? Do you want them to? 210-599-5555. And we've been talking about, uh, the, the breaking news today, two major, uh, legal, um, I would say victories or at least for the moment victories, victories of the moment for transgender students participating in school sports. And at the same time, today is the news that uh, Nike is uh, paying Dylan Mulvaney to model women's sports bras, which it's one thing if you want to say, you know, we're going to honor or we're going to recognize 100 people and we're going to have a couple of transgender people in that 100 uh, to send a message that we see you. You know, that, that would be one thing. But when when company and brand after company and brand say we are representing, we are recognizing all women using Dylan Mulvaney, I'm just I'm kind of I'm kind of gobsmacked by this. I mean I have to I'll just be honest, all right. This Dylan Mulvaney's behavior reminds me of the way guys mock the behavior of women. When you have a bunch of guys and there's no one, no women around and they're making fun of a woman or of women in general and they mince around on their tiptoes and they giggle and they tee hee and they have silly hand gestures. Um, they act like Dylan Mulvaney is acting. So I don't believe for a moment that Dylan Mulvaney is impressive or is upholding or honoring femininity. Uh, Dylan Mulvaney is, is mocking femininity. Uh, it, it's not a tribute. You know, if, if you're an Elvis impersonator, I, I would imagine you, you love Elvis's music and you're trying to do it justice. But if you're Dylan Mulvaney, you're not a woman impersonator. You're a woman mocker. You're a woman belittler. And that he, he's free to do that. It's a free country. But to have that honored and recognized by organizations that claim to be honoring women? Are you kidding me? Well, they're not. New show on NBC tonight, uh, Christian. What's that? A new show is debuting on NBC tonight. What's that? Law and Order, Falsification of Business Records Unit. Oh, I can't. (laughs) It sounds very exciting. It's going to be a hit. In the pilot episode, uh, a defendant brazenly and with complete disregard for human life uh, classifies payments to his attorney as legal expenses. Mm. Are you giving the whole thing away? 
Well, I, I mean, I don't want to, you know, spoiler alert, but yeah, uh, yeah that's that's the that's the pilot episode. So. <laughs> Very exciting, a new Law and Order tonight on nice. NBC. All right, uh, new study today says. Thank you, Christian. A new study today says parents who took their adolescent children to gender clinics uh, felt pressure to do so. And that their children's well-being was worse, not better, afterwards. It's a study called Rapid Onset Gender Dysphoria. Parent reports on 1,655 possible cases. And um, of the uh, parents who visited a gender clinic or gender specialist, uh, 52% said they felt pressured to transition their child. 24% said they did not feel pressured. And the rest were unsure. So the the stereotype is that kids are driving this, leading this, and we must respond to what they want and um, give them what they're asking for. That's an act of love. But this study would seem to suggest that the pressure comes from outside the family, and I believe that. But I also believe, and, and I want to, I'll say this very personally as, as, as the father of a teenager. Two things I, I, I absolutely believe. One is that kids are scary, okay? At various ages, kids present behaviors, impulses that are freaky and confusing and scary. And what, what does this mean? And where did this come from? I mean, even if you have a really good son or daughter, I mean, they're just a great kid, good grades, polite, you raised them upright, just every so often, right? And it's actually scarier when the good kids do it, right? But every so often, they will say something, do something, forget to do something, be incredibly irresponsible, and you're like, what in the world? You know, so I get it. I mean, kids are are a, a blessing and a mystery entrusted to us for a, for a limited amount of time to have the best possible influence on the other thing i'll say and this is i'm not i'm not some parenting expert i mean i'm stating the obvious when i say this it is not loving your kid at any age 2 10 18 it is not loving your kid to say yes to everything or to give them everything they ask for. You save their life by not giving them things they ask for. You save their life. They don't know it, or they might know it later, or they might never know it. But this idea that um, we must affirm gender dysphoria, if you break that down, that would be like saying we should affirm body dysphoria. So when a child has an eating disorder, we ought to give in. We should affirm a a social or behavioral disorder. If they're delusional, we ought to give in. That's an act of love. should affirm it. If they lose confidence in themselves, we should tell them, yeah, you're right, you do suck at math. That's how much sense this makes to me. And I don't know if you see it differently or it hits you differently, but um, it, it is crazy. I have a lot of love and a lot of sympathy for parents, and I, I say this many times on the show. We should we should support people that are trying to be good parents. We should love 
our fellow parents. We should always, anybody that's trying to love a kid and be, and be a good parent, even if they're imperfect, even if they're flawed, even if they stumble, because we all do, we, all, we, we need to put our arms around and support each other's parenting. I, I believe that. But it is just crazy to tell people that this is affirming treatment. What we need to do as we raise our children is reassure them that there is a plan for them, that they are intended, uh, that they have purpose, that they matter to us, but it is not affirming or positive or loving to just give in, to just say yes. And as far as this Nashville killer is concerned, and this is about the last time I I, I think we'll even talk about this, if I hear one more person complain that we are misgendering the killer in Nashville, and this is what this big blow-up at the Tennessee legislature is today, they're having a riot at the Tennessee legislature today, besides the obvious fact that the, the person is dead, And so I'm not misgendering them because they're not here anymore. But it is such an insult to the dead and the, the families to go through this mental exercise of correcting the gender, addressing the gendering, apologizing for the gendering, This is the, the stuff like this makes me. I'm, I'm generally pretty optimistic, but stuff like this makes me wonder if we really are at the end. I mean, this is so crazy, so off the wall, and really, again, so insulting. I said it the other day. Could you go to the to the families of these three nine year olds, or even the adults? Could you go to them and 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 talk to them about how? obscene it was that the killer was misgendered by the media or by the police chief? Would you do that? Because you wouldn't, right? Of course you wouldn't. 210-599-5555. Oh, did you see this today? Um, Looks like Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is going to run for president in the Democratic Party. Kennedy has filed a statement of candidacy with the FEC. He is 69. He's a nephew of former President John F. Kennedy and the son of the late Bobby Kennedy. Uh, he has been an author, an environmental lawyer. Um, he came out many years ago as an anti-vaxxer and then became one of the leading voices of skepticism about the COVID uh, pandemic and vaccine. And um, he went from being somebody that, Democrats felt a lot of affection for because the Kennedy name is still magic, although it's politically, it's, it's, it's pretty much over. I mean, there's, I don't think there are any, there doesn't seem to be any trajectory for the Kennedys, but, um, he's really fallen out of favor with, with the Democrats, uh, because of the things he's written. He wrote a book about Fauci. Anyway, he says he's going to run for president against, um, Joe Biden. So he and now Marion Williamson are both primarying President Biden. And I, and I think they might be a little more worried about RFK Jr. just because he is a Kennedy. But he also has a very specific, um, agenda, 
which cuts across. It's, it's very interesting when you, when you start talking about the vaccine issue and particularly COVID, it kind of cuts across party lines and it's not, uh, as black and white as, as people make it out to be between Democrats and Republicans or even between left and right. Um, and I don't agree with, uh, Robert Kennedy about everything, but I just, I think he's going to be a headache for them. I also think it'll be hilarious when they try to explain to Joe Biden that Bobby Kennedy is running against him. I just think that's going to be just like to be a fly on the wall when they break that news to him. As we continue to catch up with city council candidates, we go to District 7 today, uh, and we are joined on the KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners line by District 7 challenger Marina Gavito. Uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on with us this afternoon. Thanks for having me. You know, I got to ask you about this first, and I know it's not something you want to talk about, but your your campaign is in the news uh, for a, I guess a, 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 a what you're describing, I guess, is a mix up or a misunderstanding. But uh, one of your opponents, um, Sandra Grace Martinez, is saying that she saw a man pulling down one of her campaign signs and putting it in a truck, and when she confronted him, uh, he turned out to be your father. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what's going on you know, there? I mean, what can you tell us about that? Sure, it was a a misunderstanding. You know, there was there's a, a property that we got permission from. There's a, a leaser on the property who gave her permission. Uh, mm-hmm. Both of our signs are there. As soon as the mix-up occurred, I called her directly and I said, "Hey, Sandra Grace, I believe there's been a mix-up." Um, and you know, both of our signs are there now it's fine, you know, type thing, mm-hmm. you know, just to make sure to clear the air with her because that's what leaders do, right? You call someone directly and, and talk about it. And so, um, you know, again, clarify the, the issue. Um, but, yeah, of course, it's it's sign war season, you know, and so I think people want to make a story out of it. Well, I, is it is it the policy of your campaign to um... – take down signs if you don't think they're supposed to be where they are or was that a one-off oh not at all our our policy is to never touch an opponent sign an opponent sign could be on the ground and we do not touch an opponent sign i i will also say i mean i was not there i have no idea what mm-hmm. happened I, I i think we're in a uh he said she said battle and that's never mm-hmm. good you know so it's just like mm-hmm. unless it, it, the property didn't have surveillance camera to see what happened but you know again when you're getting into that he said she said battle i mean it's just again i I understand and and i guess i guess we at least we know that your your father is a it's an absolute supporter of your campaign he's apparently very passionate about your campaign so let me ask you this i noticed that you have um the endorsement of the latino victory fund which is a progressive uh democratic uh organization um, do you consider yourself, and, and, and that's a loaded word, do you consider yourself a progressive? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that is a loaded word. Um, I mean, you know that city council race is nonpartisan. Often what I say is that streets aren't Democrat or Republican, they're streets, you know? And so, um, I mean, I, I do feel that I am socially progressive. I feel like I'm fiscally conservative. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I was—I'm very proud of the Latino Victory Fund endorsement. What about? What about? I, I noticed it seems like everybody's running for cover on Prop A all of a sudden. Um, where are you on Prop A right now? 
you know, I came out very early on that I was against Prop A. I actually have on my website why I'm against Prop A. Um, I, so this is what I did. You know, I talked to Act for SA. I also talked to our law enforcement. I also researched and, and read the ballot language myself. And really the crux of the issue for me is in regards to the site and release, the ballot language states that it requires police officers to issue a citation instead of arrest. And that does not sit well with me because to me that is us removing the discretion of police officers and really micromanaging our police officers. And I do not think we should be in that business at all. You you also say on your website that you're you're not sure that the uh, language of Prop A is enforceable. So does it mean that you would yeah. like to see some of these things happen if it was crafted or written differently? Or are you saying, I'm not in agreement with the city making uh, laws that are in conflict with the state, for example? Yeah, I, I mean, it's definitely the latter. I'm not in agreement with the city making laws that are in conflict with the state because then guess what? The cities would just be breaking state laws <laughs> and that's not a good thing, you know? So, um, no, I mean, I, I think that one of my pieces of feedback when I did meet with the Act for SA group is, wow, why did y'all bucket all of these items in one, you know, one proposition, you know? I think they probably could have had a better chance if, if each item was yeah, itemized, you know, and separated out, but it is what it is. It's, so what in there would yeah, you I, it, what, what in there would you have broken out and said well no if this was its own proposition I would support this what's in there that you like Oh I mean I am not sure that there's anything I like I mean I know that there you know the the use of no knock warrants and police chokeholds I mean that's already in police training so it's just like okay that's irrelevant right because this is already in our training i mean decriminalization of low levels of marijuana sure i mean i think in 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 principle that's what we're seeing is that you know the uh decriminalization of low levels of marijuana is probably not a bad thing you know but again all lumped up into one and and what really what i have issue with is the justice director having no law enforcement experience i i often use the analogy i said that's like Someone with no medical experience overseeing a surgery. <laughs> I, I wouldn't want that, you know? And mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. the justice director and the site and release is the, the two items that give me the most heartburn. On your website, you talk about infrastructure and the importance of it, not only in District 7, but all over the city. And w we who live here certainly don't need to be told that. What we would like to see, I think, I think I speak for a lot of people, is just a city council mm -hmm. that's a lot more focused on making the city work this kind of nuts and bolts stuff that's not very, yeah. maybe not very glamorous or, or political, mm -hmm. but is really important mm -hmm. and less sort of posturing about social sure. issues or the climate change mm -hmm. issue. It's the city council that's supposed to make the city work, right? Right. I, I'm so glad you said that because that's exactly what I've been pushing since the beginning is, hey, city, let, let's, let's let city council go back to the basics. Let's focus on what we're supposed to be focusing on. Let's focus on streets and parks and buildings and, you know, city services, ACS, you know, those kinds of things. And, and instead of, you know, all these tangential things that kind of just, you know, may, may be distracting. But I, I, I'm, I'm fully with you. I think we need to focus on those basic things that 
City Council needs to do in making the city work. All right, Marina Gavito for District 7, joining us in KTSA. Appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for coming on with us. Thank you. All righty. Uh, our 6 o'clock hour today will be what they call a best of hour. It's, you know, previously aired because uh, today's Holy Thursday, and I do like to go to uh, my Holy Thursday Mass at my church, and uh, that starts at 7 so that I can get there. Um, and I, uh, we did the... Just a minute video today about Holy Thursday. It's a, it's a really it's it's really one of my most um, loved uh, days of the year. It isn't in terms of like the fun the fun quotient. You know, it's not up there with Christmas and Easter and all that. And it's a, probably a, a holiday a lot of people don't really know about if they don't go to church. But it's it's it has a lot of meaning. I, it's kind of I come kind of get a little emotional um, about the whole washing of feet and the humility of Christ. Uh, with the apostles and the reenactment of that. And um, every year on Holy Thursday, the Pope, whoever the Pope is, uh, it's been a tradition for decades that the Pope goes to a prison somewhere around Rome and washes the feet of some of the prisoners. And even though he is in very uh, frail health, uh, Pope Francis did that today, uh, went to a uh, prison near Rome. And, uh, you know, I mean, it was touching to see this man is 86, 87 years old walking with canes, but getting down on his knees and, and washing the feet. And he said that uh, uh, it confers on us the dignity of the sinner. So um, tell me what you think of this. I'll throw this one out at you. I got this news release from LULAC. And um, I almost didn't read it because I thought I knew what it was about, but it threw me a curve. The headline is, Texas LULAC strongly opposes the use of racial or gender slurs and calls them a form of hate speech. And this was about an incident that occurred at a school in North Texas where students uh, apparently spelled out a racial slur and there was a big controversy about it. And it was captured on camera phones, and the, the teacher didn't stop them. And Okay, so far, so good. That's wrong. That should be punished. That should not be tolerated. The hell kind of teacher lets, lets that kind of thing happen in a classroom? I, I, I agree. Okay. But then they go on to say, LULAC, League of United Latin American Citizens, goes on to say, we think there should be an absolute ban on anyone using slurs like the N-word or the B-word. And we don't even want entertainers, people in the entertainment industry, to use the N-word. And that's what got my attention, because forever in a day, you've heard people say, well, I don't know if, well, I don't understand why I can't say it if, uh, singers can say it or actors or comedians can say it. Well, if, if, if a stand-up comedian can say it because he's black, why can't I say it? And if a rapper can say it, why can't I say it? And, and so apparently, if I'm reading this right, they're saying, we think, and they say the NAACP is going to stand with them on this, we don't think anybody should use the N-word. No matter who they are, no matter what race they are, no matter what context there is, even if it's for quote-unquote entertainment. Now, I'm not trying to be a contrarian here, but I, I, I just don't 
I don't understand what people don't understand about this. I am not going to use the word. I don't use the word. I don't want to use the word. I don't feel deprived that I can't say the N-word. I'm, I'm not in need of it. Don't like it. Don't like, don't like hearing it. But when Dave Chappelle says it, or Kevin Hart says it, or some hip-hop guy says it, I, it, it doesn't bother me that they're saying it. I, again, I, I'm not crazy about hearing it, but what, how, why is it hard for people to understand that if black people say it, they kind of own it? Why, why is that a problem? And I really, you can, you can say to me, well, Jack, what, what, what other precedent is there for that? Or where else in the language is that the case? You're right. There's no other place. You can, you can fault it for inconsistency. You can fault it for hypocrisy. You can even say, and people have made this case, uh, people like Ben Carson have made this case very persuasively that they wish, um, influential and popular people in the African-American community would not use the word because they think it's degrading, and, and, and it probably is. But I'm not hung up on the idea that, well, he can say it, but I can't say it. I, I, don't, I don't... Tell me why I should care about that. You know? Tell me why we should fight over, well, if one person says it, everybody should be able to say it. I don't, you know, I don't see that. This is me. Maybe I'm being too laid back. I, I, I'm not, I don't care. I know that it would offend people if I said it. And yet if Dave Chappelle says it, those same people or most of them would not be offended. I get that. I understand it. I'm fine with it. I don't even know. And, and <laughs> I don't even know if you're Lulac, how are you? So you're calling for this. You're just calling for it. You're, you're urging it. How do you enforce it? I mean, I'm not, I'm not good with policing the language. It would be nice if we used words in the way that they're meant. Like, I don't think we should say woman when it isn't a woman. I have some strong feelings about that. But as far as somebody regulating the language or policing the language or being the language police, I I have no use for that. Do you know how fast that could spin out of control? And we, we could all start with things that we'd like to see cleaned up, but do you know how fast it would spin and expand into things you don't want policed and and how fast your toes would get stepped on? Be careful what you wish for. You do not want language police. 210-599-5555. So again, this may be the first time you've ever heard of LULAC doing something you liked and you agree with. Uh, and I, I get that. I do. I respect that. But I don't think that's really our biggest problem. And when a comedian or a, a rapper uses that word, the way it, the way it sounds to me is, this is just me. The way it sounds to me is this person is comfortable with that word. They believe those hearing them are comfortable with that word. They're basically telling you if you don't like it, turn it off, turn me off. It doesn't mean I feel like I should be able to say it too. And I know that's an unusual argument. Like, we would normally think, 
well, if it's if it's okay for one person, it should be okay for everybody. That normally would make sense to me. In this case, it doesn't. 210-599-5555. While we're talking about words and meaning, if there's one expression I would love to never hear again, it's the expression, no one is above the law. We've been hearing that a lot this week, right? No one is above the law. And it's usually said very piously in reference to who? Yeah, Donald Trump. Do you realize how ridiculous a statement that is? No one is above the law? A lot of people are above the law. They're walking around among us. They're on cable television. They lied to Congress. They lied under oath. The Clintons are walking around. They're above the law. Jim Comey's above the law. So I don't know why we keep saying that. It's almost a mockery. No one is above the law. If you have enough money, you're above the law. If you know the right people, you're above the law. If you're on the right political side, you're above the law. If you have power, you're above the law. You might argue that it shouldn't be that way, and I would agree with you. But let's not keep saying it is that way. We know it isn't. You might be saying, I wish the sun would come out today. I wish it wasn't raining. I wish the sun would come out. That's a good thing to wish for. But if you if you walked around today going, what a beautiful sunny day we're having, people would throw a net over you. Saying no one is above the law is is a whack statement. I'm not sure if it was ever true. It hasn't been true in my lifetime. So we can, while we're talking about words and meaning and who can use them, we can talk about that too. Michael is on KTSA. Hi, Michael. Hello, sir. So what do you think about that? Well, my insight is I've been through, I'm 56 years old. I've been into music. My dad was into music forever. So I've been into the heaviest stuff and some of the, the heaviest stuff, which used to be all the stuff from L.A., from Compton and the N word mm-hmm. and all that, we, we grew mm-hmm. up with that. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's not offensive unless you're making it offensive. I also grew up in Tampa Bay, Florida and call me white trash. I am. If you act like that, if you're actually a human being that has good intentions and you're not that type of person, it doesn't matter your race. Could mm-hmm. you please carry on and stop making this so important that it's ruining the country. And it's obvious mm-hmm. the Democrats are doing that because it's evident. <clears throat> my grandfather fought in Bastogne. My father went to Greenland for two years to keep the Soviets from bombing us in 1963. And now mm-hmm. it's come to this. And mm-hmm. it makes me sick. Yeah. And I've actually met you before. I, I own a debt company in town. And the demise of watching everything just swirl downward makes me mm-hmm. ill. <clears throat> but well, let me go back to let me go back to the first thing you said though, Michael, because you said you grew up with. I, I guess what you're saying is you, you, you mentioned Compton. So d- did you grow up listening to like, you know, like hip hop and street and no, okay. So 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 no, let me ask you. Let me ask you this: when 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 a black artist, a rapper or whoever or a comedian uses that word, and other people hear him use that word, they want to know: well, if it's okay for him, why isn't it okay for me? That's why, as a as a white guy, hate to say that, since I'm a minority, I guess. 
Well, why is it? Why do you hate to say it if that's what you are? There's nothing wrong with saying no, it, right? Well, well no, I, I just I. We don't need to apologize for being white. Well, I don't believe me because I I stick up for everything about. I don't. I'm not going to get into that. But the reason being is, if it's funny, it's funny. Like Dave Chappelle, you said, is that funny? Hell yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Talking about Prince and you know the whole, all of his funny skits, that's funny. No. The racism okay. in between the SNL guys at night when they're talking about, you know, in between the races, that is funny. Oh, that is it funny. Should, yeah, the weekend update it, stuff. It yeah. should be making hilarity, not hatred. And believe okay. me, I'm a vengeful type of guy. I don't like this type of stuff either, and I want to shoot. So you're saying basically house. it's the context. It's just the context, and you can't stamp it, it out entirely. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I agree with you. Michael, thank you. I appreciate well, your call. You. I appreciate you checking in on the show. Um, I don't know. I mean, we'll see what happens with this. I don't know how serious they are. They were, they were reacting to a specific event that was mean and cruel and, and nobody would, would support it that kids did. But, um, uh, it, it, as far as the whole, let's get this word struck from the language, I, I, it's not a, not a priority for me. Um, Maybe you can make it one for me, but so far it's not. Well, I, I want to go to the Jack Chat line before we run out of time this hour, so let's see what's on it. Uh, this is the number you can call to uh, leave a quick comment for the show. If you're listening to the podcast or you can't get through, 210-599-5550. Let's see what we have. Hey, Jack. My name is Joe. I'm from San Antonio. Uh, my question is, are transgenders going to be required to register to vote when they turn 18? I mean biological women that identify as men and biological men that identify as women. How is all that going to work with our military? I think he means, hold on, I think, I think he must mean registered for the draft, not are they going to be forced to register to vote, right? Is that what he probably means, Don? I think so. Probably, probably register for the yeah, draft. That's right? let's, see what else, let's see what else he says. How is all that going to work with our military? It seems kind of strange. Thanks, and have a great day. Okay. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, what will they do uh, with the with selective service? Uh, all right, let's get the next one. Hey, Jack, it's uh, Dave from Converse, Texas. I was just calling. I just think it's time to probably move on from Trump. There's just way too much baggage with him uh, potentially being our next president. I think it's just time to move on. Um, I'm a conservative. I like some of the other uh, candidates on that side. And uh, I just think folks need to realize this is just too much of a circus. Thank you. Okay. And next on the Jack Chat line, 210-599-5550. Hey, Jack, this is Cindy. Um, you're talking, I'm listening to your podcast, and you're talking about the reason that uh, they're taking, um, charging Trump at this point, the two reasons. I'm listening to Wednesday show. And there's one thing that I keep thinking about, and that is Trump is one man, and eventually he'll be gone. But I think the overarching theme in this is that this is a direct, this is directed also at anyone who is looking to run for office in the future that would oppose anything that the Democrats want to do with their agenda and their legislation. Um, and I think that it's a veiled threat, basically to anyone who's looking to run as a conservative that if they can do it to him, then they can come after anyone else. Anyone could be in their sights and they may not be able to convict him of anything. And I don't think they really care about that as much as they care about just 
exhausting their resources, exhausting them, exhausting their family, and um, wearing out the voters. So thanks, Jack. Uh, again, that number is 210-599-5550. It's always open. We do have a rule, though. you got to leave your first name. you got to leave the city or town. And then your comment. If you don't do that, then we're not gonna we're not gonna play it. Um, we're asking you. Speaking of her question, uh, Cindy's question or comment, we're asking you on the JR poll. Uh, do you believe the GOP when they say, and this is in particular Congressman James Comer, uh, when they say there will be brag style prosecution of the Biden family? In other words, there's, there there are going to be Republican local county attorneys or district attorneys that will do what Alvin Bragg did. Do you believe that? And so far on the poll, so far, 85% are saying no, they don't believe it. I don't think people are saying, no, I don't want that, or no, I would never condone that. But they're saying, I I, I don't know if I really believe Republicans would would pull that. And um, I don't know if that's a compliment or a put-down. But anyway, continue to vote in the JR poll. You can hit it up online at KTSA.com. Uh, we have more Jack Riccardi show, Best Of, coming up in the next hour. Coming up, we're going to see which uh, pizza crust wins the big, uh, the big war, the big debate. Are you into the deep dish? Are you into the thin crust? You can, you can, you can, you can like both because these are the times we live in. You can even decide from day to day which one you feel more like you can start out one way and then declare as the other you know it's okay it's all good you know this obviously this week is the the week of the trump arraignment or indictment or whatever and i was trying to think of sort of how do you frame this whole thing what's like the big picture of this whole thing. And clearly the actual charges are a joke. Uh, in fact, you could almost say that Alvin Bragg has united the country. You know, <laughs> there's, there's, there is widespread agreement that it's a, that it's a terrible case. Uh, I'm going to break out a couple of specific examples to just show how ludicrous it is. But, but I think the big so sort of like overall question here, and a majority of people in every poll, by the way, believe that this is politically motivated. Even people who, who don't like Trump and think he's a crook believe that this is politically motivated. So the big question is, are the people behind going after Trump, and it's not just Alvin Bragg, it's everything, it's, it's you know, Shift for brains, and it's the two impeachments, and and it's the other investigations that are still, by the way, yet to be charged in D.C. and Georgia. Is this an attempt to make Donald Trump a lock for the Republican nomination, or is this to prevent Donald Trump from ever becoming president again? What do you think? So one school of thought is the people that are out to get Trump actually know that they are helping him, actually know that he is raising money and his poll numbers have gone up and his lead has increased, and they want that. So that's the school of thought that says Trump is like the straw man. They they want to set him up so they can defeat him. 
They want to make absolutely sure that the 2024 election is a rematch of 2020. Then they can run the same playbook and, and have the same result. The other school of thought is that they're trying to tie him up in a lot of legal duct tape so that he is uh, hampered, impeded, and maybe even prevented from being a full-time, fully-fledged candidate. And that school of thought says we're stopping him totally. So in both instances, the, the, the premise, the hope is that he won't become president. But in one school of thought, it's we want to run against him because we think we can beat him. And the other school of thought is we, we just want to stop him in his tracks. We're, we're, we're afraid that he might get back in. Which do you think is the dominant vision or idea here? Which do you think is, is carrying the day? Which is, which of those things seems more plausible or, or, or maybe there's something else. Maybe, maybe you've got another alternative as to what is behind all of this. 210-599-5555. Because I have to say, just in terms of, well, is he actually guilty of crimes? It's just not looking good. You know? Um, they are attempting to criminalize the way that Trump's organization recorded the reimbursement to Michael Cohen for the non-disclosure agreement with Stormy Daniels. And um, the specific elements of that statute just don't apply to what's going on here. In fact, they're actually accusing Trump of overpaying his taxes on the non-disclosure payment. Imagine you're in trouble because you overpaid your taxes. That's considered fraud. And then they're trying to say that the internal bookkeeping and the way the payments were recorded uh, was making a false statement. But people who've looked at this have said um, a lot of businesses do not subdivide legal fees from legal expenses. We talked yesterday about whether Donald Trump defrauded anyone. Who did he defraud? Who is the victim? And although it's true that you don't have to have a victim, it certainly makes the claim of fraud more plausible. There is a very circuitous way that the DA gets around the statute of limitations. You've heard that the statute of limitations for both the business recording and the uh, campaign finance violation both have expired. And what they're going to say is, well, the statute of limitation in New York only applies if you're in New York, but when you leave the state, it suspends the, the, the time, like the clock stops. Trump left New York because he was the president. That's the argument. You've got the construct of misdemeanors and the felonies by a DA that has made a record of doing the opposite, turning felonies into misdemeanors. You are failing to meet even minimal requirements. You have law professors saying if a law student submitted a document like this, it would be failed. It would be a fail. 
And so we're we're really at the point where if you're still wondering, is there a crime and is this a criminal case, you've kind of fallen behind. Okay? This is a political maneuver. And I'm asking, do you think it is more about making sure the Republicans run Trump because they believe they can beat Trump? Or do you think it is more about making sure Trump can't run? That he is hindered, impeded, tied up, uh, trials that will literally be going on all through primary season into the election season. Remember, there's three jurisdictions. This is only one of them. 210-599-5555. What do you think they're up to? What's the big plan here? Guy is on KTSA, the Jack Riccardi Show. Hi, Guy. Hey, Harry. I can hear you. Hey, so my thoughts are this. It's multifaceted. Bragg doesn't care what he gets. For one thing, he's proven himself to the Democratic Party that he's a soldier. So he probably has a political career coming out of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If they him from running for president ever, then they've won that. If they keep him tied up so he can't run very effectively, then that, mm-hmm. they'll take that. So they don't care what mm-hmm. they get as long as it's something. And that's just mm-hmm. what they're doing. They're taking him pawing out a pot, trying to pull any little morsel they can out of it. And that's, mm-hmm. that's just what they're doing for years. I mean, so you, they're trying to keep him. They're trying to keep him off the. They're trying to keep him out of office. Keep him off the campaign trail. Either, either one. They'll take whatever they can get at this point because they can't get him. So they'll just take whatever morsel they can get from him. And Bragg's mm-hmm. also for political career. So he'll, he'll move on from this. He'll have a book. He'll have, a, he'll have an election somewhere. He'll run for some kind of office. So he, he's just securing himself. And, he, and he's, he's following his campaign promise. So, you know, mm-hmm. they, they don't like him a lot where he's, where he's at. So okay. it's, it's mostly whatever they can get, they're going to get. That's just, that's just what it is. It's been like Got that it. for years. Got it. Thank you, Guy. Thank you, sir. Uh, Gary is on the Jack Riccardi Show, KTSA. Hi, Gary. Uh, Roy Cohn had a real good take on it that you don't. He was a, a famous defense lawyer, and he said you don't need to know the law; you need to know the judge. And I think this is very appropriate in this case. And many, many people have gone to prison because of manipulation of the law. Mm-hmm. Okay, but I'm not really asking about the crime, Gary. What I'm asking about is, is the plan here to make sure Trump wins the nomination because people rally around him, hey, this isn't right, we need to back him, and and is that what they want, or are they trying to keep him from from going anywhere politically? Uh, Which do you think they're trying to do here? They want to keep him from going anywhere. They want to cripple him and finish him. So if that's true, do they think they have a better chance of, uh, the Democrats, do they think they have a better chance of winning against somebody like DeSantis? Uh, I think so. I I think Mm -hmm. that um, they... Trump has a hard core. DeSantis Mm -hmm. has... A good core, but not mm-hmm. a hard core. Right. And right. I don't think he, DeSantis would, I mean, while he did in Florida, I mean, it may surprise me, and I would certainly vote for it. Mm-hmm. But uh, he, he doesn't have that charisma that pulled Trump over in 2016. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the issue. Do you have yeah. the 
you know, you have the charisma and the pull to, to have a Well, and he's just, bra- he really is just brand new to people. He just is, I mean, not to, not to people that follow the news, and you sound like you follow this, but to the average person, they just heard his name like five minutes ago. So he, and when you're brand new to the political scene, that's very hard to win a, uh, on your first time out. So I think that's a good take, Gary. Um, I appreciate you. Um, by the way, I, I, I like DeSantis a lot, but I have revised my thinking in one regard, and, and it's because of you. I, I, I attribute this to listening to our callers, listening to uh, the emails. I, I, had, I had thought that um, Trump voters were very fond of DeSantis, perhaps wouldn't like Trump mocking him and calling him desanctimonious and the meatball and all that. I, I've given up on that. The, the Trump voter, the average Trump voter, does not like DeSantis and probably will not vote for him. That's my that's my new take. And so DeSantis has a problem. He he has to run in a party, a large section of whom will not consider him. And that's unusual because if you become the front runner in one of these two parties. People kind of want to get on the bandwagon, and well, this guy seems to be the the front runner, and he's the new, the hot new thing, and all that. Um, and I've never seen this before, but I, it's it's becoming clear to me. And I'm not saying it's true of everybody. I mean, don't take offense, but there's just there's a lot of Trump voters that only will vote for Trump, and it's not that he's their first choice; it's that he's their only choice. So that's a, that's a real dilemma for the Republicans. I don't know. I don't know what you do about that. 210-599-5555. There is not a crime that anyone, even legal scholars, can suss out of Alvin Bragg's term paper. So to me, the question really is and really has been, is the goal of this very political maneuver to make Trump the rallying cry of the Republicans to boost him into the nomination, to make it impossible for any other Republican to even get close to him. And that's what's happening right now. In other words, the the effect of the persecution of Trump has been to cement him as the front runner because they want to beat him and they think they can. Or is it to immobilize him to, you know, cut him off at the knees, to make it impossible for him to operate as a candidate, perhaps to even create in people's minds the idea that, hey, at some point he may be behind bars, I can't I can't even consider voting for him. I mean, and that's the banana republic concept that we we imprison or we prosecute our political rivals. Um, and, and there have been cases in our country's history where people have elected a candidate who was literally in jail at the time of his election. It's happened in local races, not obviously for president yet. All right. So 210-599-5555. What do you think is, uh, going on here? Is it one of those two? Is it something else? David is next on the Jack Riccardi show. Hi, David. Hi. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you. Good. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, I've been hearing a lot about, you know, the, the two things that a lot of people are thinking about are they trying to cut him off at the knees or, or you know, or what, whatever, you know, other uh, 
whatever other uh, thing they're coming up with. But the one thing to me that is very, very evident is the people who do not like Trump do not want to see him get back in office because if he does, that means he cannot be indicted or, you know, have any legal action like that against him as long as he's president. Mm-hmm. So everything, all the work that they've done up until now would have mm-hmm. been for nothing. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm pretty sure that no matter what their plan is, it's to keep him out of the presidency. I mean, you're right yeah, about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but there's two ways you could keep him out of the presidency. You know, one way you could keep him out is you could you could let him win the nomination and then beat him in the general. The other way you could keep him out is you could keep him from from even being able to run at all. Yeah, that you know, and of course, you know, both of those are possibilities. But with this indictment that just happened, even though this is going to it's not going to be about a year before this thing is comes to a conclusion. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, those two other cases that he has of the January 6th and the Georgia thing, those mm-hmm. things are coming up real yep. quickly here from yep. what I understand. Yep. So, You're right about that. So they have, gonna, yeah, it's open. This guy has opened the door to other agencies who yep. are you know, very reluctant to indict a president. They're saying, hey, somebody already did it. You know, let's yep. take advantage yep. of this. Great take, David. I, I agree with I agree with what you're saying. Thank you. Uh, 210-599-5555. Lloyd is on the Jack Riccardi Show. Hi, Lloyd. Jack, how are you? Uh, let me check. So, I'm good, thank you. My thoughts are that they want to, I mean, they perfected the cheat against Trump the last time. And I really, truly believe that. I, tr- I truly believe they cheated the election. They need to get him to be the candidate again because if they beat him again, which they feel like they can, mm. uh, they've got this cheat perfected. And my personal opinion about the whole thing is, is after this four years of, of being under Biden and under this, this particular group, if if we don't somehow, if, if they somehow figure out a way to win this next election, the conservatives will never, ever win another election. They have mm. got this cheat figured out, and they will continue to do it. And we just sit around on our hands and watch it happen. And I really, truly think that's what they're doing. And, mm. and if they if they can figure out a way for the Democrats to win another election after this four years, buddy, we, we, yeah. we have lost. Yeah, yeah. We're done. No, I, th- I think that's a good. I think that's a good point. I- I'm as frustrated as you are, Lloyd, because you know, maybe even more, because my email box is full every freaking day, of, and you don't even know half the names. There's all these conservative think tanks, all these conservative PACs, all these outfits that have, uh, you know, crusty old eminent or what have, you know, whatever you want to call them, uh, elder statesman, Republican, conservative, and they're, you know, intoning and they're, uh, uh, opining about the founding fathers and all this other stuff. And I'm like, what are you doing? Don't don't come at me with all that. I don't need all that. What are you doing about election integrity? What are you doing in state capitals, in state legislatures, in highly populated counties? And we know which ones they are, or we can find out. What are you doing about who counts the votes how the votes are counted, what the law says about eligible voting, what the law says about vote harvesting and vote by mail and drive up voting and all this other stuff that we know is is designed solely for cheating. Okay? 
What do you know about and what are you doing about the disabling of voter ID? Here's an idea that came along in recent years, makes perfect sense, has broad support among every demographic in America. There is no section, okay, there is no um, segment of American pop uh, life that doesn't support, with a large majority, having a photo ID in order to vote, but politicians are undoing it, rolling it back. It's going to happen in Wisconsin as a result of the Supreme Court election. I'm not interested in anything else you're doing if you're not engaged in that, to Lloyd's point. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about cheating. I'm talking about stopping the cheating. I'm not asking them to cheat back. I'm telling them to stop the cheating. I, I don't know what else to tell you. I mean, I'll I'll put anybody on the air who's doing that kind of work if I can find them, and I'll let you know. But they're hard to find. Meanwhile, the other side, working day, night, weekends for years on this very issue. And you're not going to recognize this country, and you're not going to recognize the outcome of elections. You're going to be like, how how are people choosing that, or why are they voting for this? But that's going to be why. And if our side doesn't get serious about that, um, we're going to be scratching our heads a whole lot more and worse. KTSA AccuWeather says um, showers and storms later on tonight, probably very late toward morning. Uh, low tonight, 55. More rain and wind and storms tomorrow. 59, the high tomorrow. And we're at uh, 70 right now at San Antonio Severe Weather Station, 550 and 1071 KTSA. I uh, hope you had a good day today. Or maybe it's not over yet, but uh, it was a good day. Certainly today has been a better day than yesterday. Because yesterday was so sad. It was sad and it was historic. It was historic and it was sad. But mainly, it was sad. Cut number four. It's a sad day for America. Hard stop. This is no time for celebration. Uh, you know, I think it's sad. I have fought Trump for a long time, but I'm sad that this has happened. How are you feeling about a historic day? I, you know, it's it's sad. And this is a day of profound sadness that an ex-president uh, is indicted, but it's also a time to celebrate. Because it's a sad moment to see a former president have to do this, even though we feel it could lead to justice. If, 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 you, if you don't see this, it's a sad day for America. It's a sad day for America. It's a sad day. Well, I don't think anybody can consider it a good day. Regardless of anything, it's just really sad. It's sadness, I, I think, uh, that we got to this point. I just want to remain measured. The left, full of somber support. I think, really, this should be a somber moment. It is a serious, somber, solemn moment. It's obviously a somber moment, and it's a, it's a sad moment. Well, it's really a sad day when we get to this point. It is a serious night and a somber moment for our country. So this is a really sad moment and a perilous moment. I mean, I, I think it is a sad day. It is a sad chapter. A guy named Tom Elliott put all that together. You can follow him on uh, Twitter at Tom Elliott. Yeah, I, I, I love the, it's like they all got the same talking points, right? 
I don't know how many different channels and networks and shows we just represented there. There was a lot of them. You probably recognize some of the voices, but um, what a bunch of bull. What a bunch of bad actors. You, you know what I would have respected? Just on one channel, just on one show, maybe Maddow, maybe, you know, just one. I want to see them do. Remember the, remember the time that women's soccer team they won the 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 World Cup and they they the, the girl knelt down and she like ripped open her blouse. That's what I want to see. I want to see an anchor on CNN or MSNBC, just like yeah, we got him that sob. I'm on high fives. I want champagne. I want them to be actually consuming alcoholic beverages live on the air. Morning Joe's should be like morning bubbly. They should be exchanging gifts on the view, like the ladies are giving each other engraved mementos of the day. We'll always remember April fourth. You know, I, I this pretending it's a sad day. Who buys that? Who they've wanted this for years. It's not much. Maybe the sadness is that they, you know, this is like getting Trump on a parking ticket. But but nonetheless. I, I guess they felt they had to put on this act. Let me just make one observation. The acting was amateur, right? I mean, it was totally, you could tell. They were barely able to suppress their grins and giggles. This is such a sad day. This is how little they think of you. They think they can say that stuff, and you'll be fooled into believing that these TV anchors and anchorettes are just people that love the country and just want what's best and they just want right and just and truth. And you know, whatever your politics are, like if you were happy that they indicted Trump, I can respect that. You don't like him. You hate him. You, you, it's okay. Just say it. You know what I don't want you to do? I don't want you to put on this amateur crybaby act. Oh, it's such a sad day. Such a sad day. Because you know when these people went home from their studios, when their car service took them back to Midtown and they went up to their penthouses and their 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 uh, you know their loft apartment, you know they were the cheese and the wine came out and there was celebrating and they kicked off their shoes and you know they were having a time. So just own it. You're happy. Your team had a victory yesterday. I don't know how many more you'll have, but you had one yesterday. Just own it. Spare me the fake crocodile tears. Cry me a river. It's a sad day. We're so sad. Can you see how sad we are? We're so sad. We didn't want this. We didn't want this to happen. It's terrible that it's happening. We... We tried not to let it happen. I mean, come on. That's all I ask. Just be, just be who you really are. Right? All right. That was my point. On the JR poll, we asked on National Deep Dish Pizza Day, uh, when it comes to pizza, are you deep dish or are you thin crust? Exactly two-thirds said thin, 67%. And 33% came in with deep and you can always vote in the JR poll. You can always find it at KTSA.com. And we'll have a new question when we go live tomorrow at 4 as well. I've always loved the stories behind the music. Uh, the songs, the albums, the artists that we love that make up our 
sort of life soundtracks. I, I've always loved the the you know how did it come about and what's the meaning and we lost a man on Monday named Seymour Stein. He was just shy of his 81st birthday when he passed away. And Seymour Stein never played an instrument, never set foot on a stage, or appeared in an arena full of cheering fans, never wrote a, a song or even a note of music. Uh, but what Seymour Stein had was that proverbial ear for music. He could hear what would be popular before it was. He founded Sire Records and was a top record executive for decades. And he signed a wide range of artists from Madonna to the Ramones to the Talking Heads to many others. Um, in his youth, he worked at a record store and he was exposed to a lot of different genres of music uh, that they sold. And... Um, there was a saying in those days, somebody told him as a young man, you have shellac in your veins. That's a reference to records. You have shellac in your veins. And it, and it turned out he did. Again, not having played instruments, not having played in a, in a band or anything like that. And although it wasn't his preferred musical style, he had a particular knack for picking out acts that would be considered new wave. In fact, he even coined the term new wave because previously they used to call music like that punk rock. And he always thought that punk sounded kind of negative. So, as I mentioned, a, a virtual who's who uh, from the Talking Heads to the Pretenders, Echo and the Bunnymen, many more making their name on Sire Records and being personally signed by Seymour Stein. In fact, there's a great story about Seymour Stein. He was in the hospital in 1982, and he was bored. He was recovering, and uh, he asked his assistant at the record company to bring him some tapes so he could at least do some work and go through some aspiring artists' tapes. And one of the tapes was a young singer from Michigan named Madonna Louise Sicconi. And she was trying to get a deal and get a break, and she sent him a song called Everybody, which so impressed him that he signed her with Sire Records from his hospital room telephone. And tonight we're going to leave you with that song that first brought Madonna to the attention of Seymour Stein. And remember a time when it took a man with an ear for music to make sure that the rest of us could hear it. Rest in peace, Seymour Stein. Here's that song by Madonna. <laughs> 